0: So, Thank you for joining us for this um, special Nursing Grand Rounds entitled entitled Ambulatory Nursing Update. I'd like to welcome anyone that's viewing this session online. The learning outcome for today's session is at the conclusion of this presentation the learner will be able to discuss the importance of ambulatory nurse engagement in professional development including nursing practice governance, professional standards of care, and scope of practice in ambulatory in ambulatory settings. You must attend 80% of this activity to receive credit, and this educational activity carries one contact hour. Neither our speaker nor any members of the planning committee have identified a financial interest or relationship with a commercial entity or any conflict of interest regarding this activity, and no one refused to disclose. For those viewing online, I'll be monitoring my email. So if you have any questions, you can email me at judith.m Langhans, L-A-N-G-H-A-N-S at hitchcock.org, and I'll relay them to the speaker. Thank you. And you already introduced yourself, right? All right. (laughs)
1: Uh, Can everybody hear me here from this distance? Okay. I don't know about the lights, whether it's good to have them on or off, but um. so yeah. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Um, I did introduce myself, and I've got a feel that most of you are ambulatory care nurses, so that's good. It's a good uh, audience to be speaking to. And as Judy said, we have a couple of objectives today. These are the written ones that, you know, when you finish Grand Rounds, you'll evaluate, we'll look at whether we were helpful or not helpful. But as I said earlier, I'm hoping that at the end of this session, you will leave with a uh, newfound passion for your work, for your practice, and you'll realize, um, you'll have a new awareness, I think, of how important your work is and your role, and actually uh, how urgent it is that we get on board and figure things out as ambulatory nurses. Um, I put this up here because I believe this, this is not endorsed by the council. They don't know, Oh, the, the uh, what I'm going to do is tell you a little bit about ambulatory practice challenges, our history, and a a few challenges, Um, a couple of tidbits from me, like pearls of wisdom perhaps, and and then I'll tell you about some very exciting work that we're doing in our ambulatory practice council. So this is my first little tidbit. I, I believe that in order to be the best that we can be as people, but particularly for nursing, to be the best that we can be, we need to be doing regular uh, self-reflection, right? And I hear sometimes from colleagues that I, I don't have time for that. I'm too busy. I got too much work to do. Too stressed. Um, and I contend that it's it, this is an essential piece of our practice. We need to be able to ask ourselves regularly, what what contributions did I make to my patients today? What, you know, did I make a difference? How how did I help my team? How am I being responsible to the organization? And I'm asking myself these questions all the time. And I think if you don't ask yourself these questions on a regular basis, you're not really engaged. And again, it's my opinion, but it is also supported by evidence. Uh, And there is research about the importance of reflecting, and and I'm speaking to you and suggesting that if you don't currently practice regular reflections of your practice, um, that you start doing so, because it's how we can make ourselves better. As people and as um, nurses. So, what anybody feel like they have the answer to this question? Right? Uh, we have, you'll see later on, we have 110 different specialty clinics at Dartmouth Hitchcock. Um, and, the, and that includes the community group practices, which you'll see uh, CGPs. That stands for community group practices. That's Manchester, Nashua, Concord, Bedford. So 110 different specialties. So we're doing a lot of different things. Um, but do we? Can we say what we do? Do we have it all figured out? Can we? Can we measure it? Anybody here want to take a guess? A definition of what's a good definition of what we do? Okay, we'll save that for the end. Uh, This is what uh, the American Nurse Association, this is how they have defined nursing. Um, I won't read it to you, but I would like you to read it. Um, I underlined the words that I, I can't dispute. Protection, promotion, optimization of health, advocacy. It's all true, right? That's what nurses do. That's the basis, the foundation of what we do. Uh, But those words, in particular, are really hard to measure. You you know it when you see it, you feel it, but how do you capture it? This is the American Academy of Ambulatory Care Nurses. This is what they have to say about ambulatory nursing. I feel like we're getting there, this looks good, right? Um, It's complex. Uh, Sometimes we're working independently, sometimes we're working collaboratively on teams. Um, Anything else anyone wants to add? See anything missing? Requires RNs to be accountable for the provision of nursing care. I particularly like that one. Uses evidence to achieve and ensure patient safety. This is my definition of ambulatory nursing with a little help from these authors. Um, But I do think it is a privilege every day to come to work and be on the giving end of a relationship to be able to help patients feel better, get better, understand better, feel heard, uh, not be scared. Um, I'd much rather come to work every day and be a nurse than to come to work every day and be a patient. And it's true, you know, sometimes I hear my colleagues say, why do we have to defend ourselves? Why do we have to figure it out? Um, But it's not just us, every single discipline should be responsible and should have the ability to clearly articulate what it is we do, uh, particularly now in healthcare, right? Because it's all outcome oriented. If you can't speak to what you do and what value you bring, then what good are you? Um, It's the way it is. This is some of who we are. Maybe you'll recognize yourself up here, but we're pretty widespread. Florence, you know, she never—she was way ahead of her time, wasn't she? (laughs) Nothing has changed that she ever said that I'm aware of. It's true. If we're not—if we can't define it, if we can't define it, we can't measure it. We can't make it better. Nothing. Nothing can happen. We have to define our work and own it and move it forward and figure it out. And the thing that's exciting is that now in uh, the current healthcare system, they're, they're looking to ambulatory nurses. Lots of different organizations you'll see in just a couple minutes here, are, they wanna hear from us. They want us to be in charge of defining it and deciding what we're measured on. How exciting is that? Because if it's not us, who is it gonna be? Another definition of nursing. Can't really dispute that either, can you? <laughs> so some some challenges that we have, for sure. You know, we see patients really f- for short periods of time. Uh, unlike when you know they're in the hospital and the nurse has a captured audience for uh, three, four, five days, we have quick little bursts of visits with them, and you know it's important to develop relationships, assessments. So it's challenging. Yeah, we're. Our population, our our patients are getting significantly older. We're getting older. That's really scary to me, right? That we're we're getting older and we're retiring. What's going to happen to all of the knowledgeable, solid, sound nurses? They're going to retire. That scares me. (laughs) We need to get some, you know, our young colleagues on board and connect with them and you know set things up in good shape before we retire and then there's all that technology which nothing ever seems to talk to anything else. I think we should be having a voice with that too. <laughs> you know, because what what would you do? You'd say, well, if we're gonna have this new technology, we, let's have it work with our system. Let's not have to learn seven things. Anyway, um, this, the next to the last one also really frightens me that by the year 20, uh, 2025, So if you do the math, that's seven years from now, we will be short almost half a million nurses. And I say that from a place that I'm a nurse. I want to work with clinically solid, sound nurses, and I want to have enough of them. I want to do my job, and I want to do it well. But also, I'm going to be a patient, and I'm going to want those solid, sound, engaged, passionate nurses taking care of me and I'm I'm afraid, really. I think we need to be afraid. I think we need to pay attention, and I don't think we have a lot of time. Uh, there is more and more evidence that's accumulating around how nurses, particularly RNs in the ambulatory setting, can have more of an impact and can uh, measure uh, various outcomes, and, and that's a good thing, because we, we need systems that support what we do and, and capture the value of what we bring. Uh anyone see anything on here missing? Or... And I'm not going to read this to you either, but I'm going to be quiet for a minute so that you can read it. Yep, it's true. Anybody know anything about RNs being replaced by unlicensed staff? Anyone concerned about that? I hope so. I hope you are. So. The first one is really exciting to me. It's so true, right? We, we, we need to be the ones deciding what's gonna work best for our patients, what we can do that's different and better and helpful. That's what we do and we need leaders and organizations that support us in our goal forward in our, and we need pathways. And I contend that the Ambulatory Council is one pathway for exactly that. Anyone think of anything else? Another pathway that supports our work structure, I could think, um, you know, I told you I was here for 24 years and not all of it glorious. Um, we have never had an ambulatory director of nursing before that I can recall. So that means that we were governed by uh, doctors or non-clinical leaders. And, uh, You know that's not all bad but they're not nurses and they don't come from a nursing perspective and decisions are made without us at the table and they end up not necessarily being good and or we just can't tolerate it so we leave so right now this is why it's exciting to be here at Dartmouth I also think Dr. Conroy is really um, you know she's been here six months I can tell you I see it I hear it I feel it that there's a culture change people her her message, you know, I care about the people that work here. I want to do something about retaining the good quality people. It's the people that come to this organization with a passion, with a commitment to excellence. Uh, that's her message. That's where I want to be. I want to hang with those people. I want that leadership. So we have Susanna Gadsby, the ambulatory educator, available anytime if you're you know need some questions answered around that. We have clinical nurse leaders. So there's lots of different pathways for us and we need to uh, use them, as you can see, um, and and figure things out for ourselves. And if I could and did ever get a tattoo, I would tattoo that. To be effective and reconceptualize roles, nurses must see policy as something they can shape rather than something that happens to them. Sorry. (laughs) I feel like sometimes we uh, present as victims, and we're not. We're not victims. You know, we we need to get more politically involved. We need to be involved. Um, Yes. Do you mind if I add something? I wish you would.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So hi, everyone. My name is Joni Spring, and I'm the director of ambulatory nursing for our system. Um, And I just wanted to... Emphasize what Deb's talking about in terms of our organization's commitment to ambulatory nursing and this morning, so today's my first day back I've been on a medical leave for six weeks and I had a meeting this morning with Sue Reeves and Karen Clemens um, to talk about um, Aligning nursing structure and ambulatory so that nursing governs and oversees practice um, in our ambulatory care settings so I think that you know what Deb's talking about in terms of being advocates and having people at the senior level who listen and are, are listening to our advocacy um, is actually truly happening. So we were fortunate, and I can't share a lot of the details yet, but we're fortunate that we were able to have, to, um, have some positions approved during the uh, budget process this year that I think will really help us to... Um, elevate the importance of ambulatory nursing. So all of these things that Deb is talking about in terms of the, you know, measuring outcomes and evidence-based practice, and you know, really advocating for the role of the ambulatory nurse um, is high on my priority list, but also high on Karen and Sue's as our nursing leaders um, and Dr. Conroy. So part of what this presentation um, Deb put together, she, we presented, the council presented to Dr. Conroy in June? May. In May, um, so Dr. Conroy is you know, definitely supportive and on board with a lot of this. So right. I just wanted to kind of put an explanation point yep. on you know, what Deb's talking about in terms <coughs> of the importance of ambulatory nursing um, because that's really where it's all at. Mm-hmm. You know, We're seeing, as she mentioned, more complex patients. Um, and so we need to respond with the appropriate level of support so that you can practice safely and care for those patients. So more to
1: come. So thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, you know, I, I apologize. I got a little weepy there, but um, two things. One is I get weepy because I'm passionate, and I don't ever want to lose that. And two, people are coming to me now, my colleagues, saying, "Jeb, I need to talk to you. This, this." Professional problem I'm having, and you know, while I don't like hearing the stories that I hear, I like being able to say, "Here's what you should do." So anyway, things are getting better, uh, but we need everyone to be involved. It's not just the council that needs to do this work. So. You've all heard, I'm sure, of the nationally standardized uh, nursing sensitive indicators. They call them nursing quality indicators that are on the inpatient side of the world. And they've been around for years. They're across the country. You can look them up on any website, of any hospital. And it's, you know, how many catheter infections, how many falls, how many pressure ulcers. And it's a way of evaluating nursing care, right? These are um, practices that have been determined to be affected by the quality and the quantity and or the quantity of nursing. So never before has there been any such thing in ambulatory, but that's changing. So it's very exciting. There are three organizations that have gotten together. I didn't put the third one up here. It's uh, NDQI, which is a nursing uh, data, nursing quality indicators. Uh, and Calnox stands for the Collaborative Alliance of Nursing Outcomes. So, those three organizations for the past three years have had, like, or more, maybe a smidge more, have had a relationship where they're working together to say, you know what, what is some standards around ambulatory that we can effectively uh, impact a change with, and how can nursing be part of it? So, uh, they've gotten together, they've come up with, oh, Okay, we'll get back to that in a second. Uh, the ambulatory council, this is, this is our charge, our bylaws. Um, this is why I'm excited to be part of it. You know, we're held accountable to make sure that our nursing practice is, is up to par and it's standard and that we're using evidence and that we're doing the best for our patients. Uh, we should be. Can't just come to work anymore and do your job and go home. Nope, you can't. No matter how old you are, you can't. And we want, we recognize the value of engaging all nurses. Um, When Dr. Conroy came to our uh, presentation in May, she she sat at the table with us, she talked with us, she's had great input and ideas. And one of the things she said when she read this uh, bylaws was, um, could we talk to you, ambulatory nurses, about the? We're getting a lot of complaints about ambulatory, a lot, a lot of complaints. Maybe it makes sense because there's a lot of ambulatory visits, but would your council be the right place to bring these complaints? Um, and of course, Joni said, "Talk to me. We'll, we'll, we'll take it." But you know what? If if there's a lot of ambulatory complaints and they're only going to George Blake, they're not coming to us. How can we make that better? How can we fix it? So it. It's good. There were good outcomes from that. So she was talking about patient complaints. Patient complaints. I just to yeah. That. It wasn't so. like us, you know, or providers in the hospital. Right. Patient complaints. And we want to know about patient complaints, right? We can't fix or anything if we don't know about it. So these are the proposed from those three organizations. These are the proposed eight uh, nursing-sensitive indicators. They're not nationally standardized yet, and actually I just was elected to the national panel that will help, uh, that's going to be working to standardize some of them. So that's really exciting. And they're very impressed when I talk to them about the work that we're doing as a council. They're like, my gosh, that seems like one of the hardest nursing-sensitive indicators to do, and you guys are doing it? So I'll tell you a little bit about it. This this defines it. Um, Well, we we had a democratic process. We looked at those eight and said, do we want to endorse any of these? Do we want to work on any of these? Do we think we can effectively make a difference with any of these? So if um, if you think you can make a difference, which one do you want to work on and why? And it was unanimous that we chose RN demographics, which sounds benign, but this is the definition of it. So we want to in- advance our education and our certification. We'd, want to reduce our RN uh, vacancy and uh, impact our retention and we want really healthy conducive work environments because that's what feeds most of us too, right? So what we've discovered to start with, this data is from May of this year that we have over 110 uh, clinics, um, 645 of us are RNs and 142 of us are certified. So you need that data to get started, right? Because we're going to make it better. We're going to improve those numbers. So we need to know where we're starting from. And we're beginning to look at where are these RNs, and that takes a little bit of work. Uh, we have two goals. The first goal of uh, is to encourage the advancement of education and certification. And again, it's in the literature, nurses that are BSN give, you know, provide better outcomes than the ASN. It's just the way it is. Um, The nurses that are certified in their specialty also provide better care. So the more highly educated we are as a profession, the better off our patients are, um, that's it. People have argued that in the past. Uh, The other piece is, uh, about our environments, right? So it's all over the literature. Nurses should have uh, the ability to assess their environments and impact their environments, and of course we should. But what does that mean, and how do we do it? So one of the things we decided we'd really like to do, we know from working here for a while that there are some places where there's a mass exodus or there's a continual exit of nurses. Um, We don't know why because no one's doing exit interviews. No one's talking to these people. So we said as a council, you know, let's partner up with HR. Let's figure out a way for us to ask these questions. And it's exciting. Um, in years past when I've mentioned we need to partner with HR, I've also mentioned we need to partner with finance. That's another key uh, person, stakeholder to get on our side or to collaborate with. Uh, but I've been told you can't do that. It's confidential, don't do it. Um, But Joni's like, yeah, we can do it. And so we did. Uh, This is an email from last year, I mean last week. And they're explaining, I don't know if you guys had a chance to read it, but it's explaining that we've endorsed a new uh, program that's going to help us with our exit interviews. We're going to increase the number of exit interviews we're doing. We're really going to look at um, why people are leaving. And again, that's why it's another exciting reason to be here. Our work, our passion is aligned with our leaders. Uh, Yes. I think this exit interview um, initiative is a great idea. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there needs to
2: be work around who does the
1: exit interview. Yeah, the organization. Thanks for asking that question. We're not doing it.
2: I mean, I think that makes a huge difference because exit interviews are currently happening, but I don't see them being all
1: that people or effective in getting any information. Yeah, I don't know exactly who's doing them. Our focus for a council really has been more on the stay interviews, which is part of why I'm, I'm even doing this Nursing Grand Rounds is so that people will be aware to look for it. So Deb, can yeah, you can that? speak to this.
2: Briefly, remember I've been out for six weeks, but, but I know is that um, we've contracted with an external company, the work institute, who will be doing, and that's an industry best practice, because a lot of times um, people who are leaving don't necessarily want to talk to someone that they know, that they feel more comfortable sharing information with a stranger for, um, for lots of reasons. Um, so then that information will be fed back to, the local managers and leadership team. I don't know how. I don't know the logistics about how that will work yet, but that is the goal. Is Has that, that started already? I think it starts. I don't know. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay.
2: But soon, if it hasn't started now, it is starting very soon. Go ahead. So, and is the feedback back to leadership, of the managers? Is that anonymous feedback? Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Okay. Yes.
2: Yes. Definitely
1: yeah. anonymous. Thank you for the question. No, I, think I just, just had a question one, about how many
2: questions have, do we have a part in developing the questions we were wanting. I think of, that this yeah. is, I think that the, I, I don't know, how I would answer that question is to say I would imagine that the, the questions are standard questions that this company who are experts in this field have developed but I don't know a lot of the details about
1: Yeah. That. Except that we did partner with them. Um, yeah. uh, back in January or February, HR, and they said, oh, this is perfect. We're developing this new tool for exit interviews. Would you, as a council, like to ask specific questions? And we said yes, and we got together some questions, and I don't have them, but they are included as part of the new exit interview process. So we are, we were involved in it, with it, and they were nursing-specific questions. Um, What we are doing uh, as a council next, uh, under the realm of RN demographic, the nursing sensitive indicators, is we're gonna start doing some stay interviews, which is the opposite of an exit interview. We're gonna start um, going around to our practices where we work, so for me, it'll be cardiology. Um, We wanna explain why we're doing the stay interviews, and then they'll likely be done in the form of a survey monkey so that they will be confidential. But I think they're really good questions. I particularly like number five, um, because it speaks to you have a concern, there's a problem, Uh, have you tried to work it out? What's your solution to it? Uh, I think that's really important for us as professionals is that we, you know, and it's also part of our professional code of conduct that You know, if there's a problem with someone, you try to deal with it yourself first. But anyway, we're hoping we'll get some really valuable information from this. And we don't have it all figured out. We don't know exactly what we're gonna do when we get the data, but we know we'll do something. And we know we'll keep you informed. And then this was our first uh, uh, ambulatory conference that uh, was in March. And it was sold out. There's was 140 people there. It was an amazing conference. I left there that day feeling so proud to be, to be a nurse in ambulatory. We had a great speaker. Her name was Susan Prasky. Uh, she was 65 years old, so smart, so evidence-based, so well-spoken, spit out information like a PEZ dispenser, and I just loved her. I wanna be her in 10 more years, maybe I will be. Uh, She was great, she really got us all jazzed up. And then there was uh, Judge Broderick who works here and he did a presentation around mental illness and how important it is that we recognize mental illness. Uh, He speaks from his personal perspective. He had us all in tears. He also a very passionate man, a great speaker. And then there was a, a group of grandmothers Uh, that came, and it was really so helpful to hear and to understand that um, because of the opioid crisis, their children, uh, they're now being parenting their grandchildren, which is really challenging, right? But things that we weren't aware of, like maybe their child's in jail, and they got their grandchild, and they gotta bring them to the physician's office, but you know, the nurse won't tell me anything because I'm not on the paperwork, and it just was really good. It was a great conference, and then at the end, Um, there we developed a regional network so there's a regional network of ambulatory nurses right as I said we have a lot of work to do and we don't have a lot of time to do it so we need to network we need to share our work we need to share what we're doing um, and get involved I mean I I do contend that you can't my opinion you can't just come to work do your job and go home anymore doesn't seem like that's enough really and this speaks to what we need from our leaders. And again, I'll just be quiet because, you know, you don't need to come to a, a presentation have somebody read to you. But as you read it, I wonder if you could just ask yourself, do you think it's just the leader that needs to have these qualities? Is that what we need just from our leaders? Uh, I think that that's how we need to lead ourselves actually with uh, this kind of work needs to happen from all levels. And I know that we're doing some good work. Our organization is working really hard on role clarity. And, yeah, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but you ever go to a picnic or bridal shower or something, and someone says, hey, you're a nurse, so what do you think about the the policy about, you know, um, I was at a bridal shower recently, and it was around special needs or... The Disabilities Act, or something like I don't know, I don't know. um I should uh so so now I am a member of the American Nurse Association. I get these emails. I don't pay attention to every single one of them. you can't, right, You just can't be everywhere, but there are some times when it is important, particularly as something relates to you directly, that you know just send a quick little note to the Congressman or you know because nurses are listened to, and that leads me to this. This. Right. So when I look at this, I first of all, I get like, you know, it makes me proud. I love being a nurse. I love my nurse colleagues. Um, but I also think, are we worthy? You know, are we doing enough? Um, could we be doing more? Um, are we using the best evidence when we take care of our patients? Are we making sure we're, you know, given our best and being our best?
2: <laughs> that's
1: just that's just cute, right? That's just so cute. So um we have enough time. Um I've I've uh tried really hard to find a little song because I love music, to find a little song that might go nicely with this, but I failed. But I do have a, a presentation that I think speaks very it's a speak uh ESPN, Jimmy Belvano, anyone know him? Uh, he is an amazing man, passionate, smart, uh, and he speaks to all the very same things I was just speaking to, and I just think it's a great little, if you'll bear with me, it's a bit, it's a little tiny bit long, but it's worth it. Yeah, while that's going, i
2: ask you a question, what are your thoughts on the pace scale now changing between regulatory nurses and education
1: nurses? I didn't have an awareness that it was.
2: Oh, that was mentioned. I know it used to be that way and then I don't know, ten years or more ago it changed so that there was
1: no difference and yeah. now it's my that. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know the details, but I do know there's certainly complexities involved in it, right? And some of it I imagine has to do with we want to recruit nurses. And certainly areas might need nurses more critically than others. I don't know. But I do think there is a pathway to ask these questions and to get these answers. I don't know that I'm the one to do it, but I think it's worth following up.
3: You very much thank you uh, I can't tell you what an honor it is to even be mentioned the same breath with an Arthur Ashe um, this is something I certainly will will treasure forever but as as uh, was said on the tape I and I also I don't have one of those things going with the cue cards so I'm going to speak longer than anybody else has spoken tonight that's the way it goes. Time, time is very precious to me. I don't know how much I have left, and I have some things that I would like to say. Hopefully, at the end, I'll have something that will be uh, important to, uh, to other people, too. But I can't help it. Now when I'm fighting cancer. Everybody knows that. Uh, and people ask me all the time about how you, you go through your life and how's your day. And nothing has changed. For me, as Dick said, I'm a very emotional, passionate man. I can't help it. That's being the son of Rocco and Angelina Valvano. That comes with the territory, right? We hug, we kiss, we love. And and when people say to me, how do you get through uh, life or or each day is the same thing. To me, there are three things we all should do every day. We do this every day of our life. You're going to have, what a wonderful, number one is laugh. You should laugh every day number two is think you should spend some time in thought and number three is you should have your emotions moved to tears could be happiness or joy but think about it if you laugh you think and you cry that's a full day that's a heck of a day you do that seven days a week you're going to have something special and so i can't help i rode on the plane up today with mike sheshevsky my my good friend and a wonderful coach, but people don't realize he's a 10 times better person than he is a coach. And we know he's a great coach. He's meant a lot to me in these last five or six months of my battle. But when I look at Mike, I think we competed against each other as players. I coached against him for 15 years. And I always have to think about what's important in life is to think to me of three things, where you started, where you are, and where you're going to be. Those are the three things that I try and do every day. And, you know, when I think about getting up and giving a speech, I can't help it. I have to remember the first speech I ever gave. I was coaching at Rutgers University. That was my first job. All I, oh, that's a, wonderful. And I was the freshman coach. That's when freshmen played on freshman teams. And I was so fired up about my first job. I see Lou Holtz, Coach Holtz here. What was it like the first job you had, right? The very first time you stood in the locker room to give a pep talk. That's a special place, the locker room, for a coach to give a talk. So my idol as a coach was Vince Lombardi. And I read this book called Commitment to Excellence by Vince Lombardi. And in the book, Lombardi talked about the first time he spoke before his Green Bay Packer team in the locker room. They were perennial losers. And I'm reading this, and Lombardi said he was thinking, should it be a long talk, a short talk? But he wanted to be emotional, he said be brief. And this is what he did. He, he, normally you get in the locker room, I don't know, 25 minutes, a half hour before the team takes the field. You do your little X and O's, and then you give the great Newt Rockety talk. We all do. Speech number 84. You pull him right out. You get, you get ready. Get your squad ready. Well, this is the first one I ever gave. And I read this thing, Lombardi, what he said was he didn't go in. He waited. His team was wondering, where is he? Where is this great coach? He's not there. Ten minutes. He's still not there. Three minutes before us to take the field, Lombardi comes in, bangs the door open. And I think you all remember what great presence he had. My great presence. And he walked in, and he just walked back and forth like this, just walk, staring at the players. And he said, all eyes on me. And I'm reading this in this book, and I'm getting a picture of this Lombardi before the, his first game. And he said, gentlemen, we will be successful this year. You can focus on three things and three things only. Your family, your religion, and the Green Bay Packers. And, he, and the rest of it, they knocked the walls down. The rest was history. I said, that's beautiful. I'm going to do that. Your family... Your religion and Rutgers basketball. That's it. I had it. I'm listen. I'm 21 years old. The kids I'm coaching are 19. All right. And I and I'm going to be the greatest coach in the world, the next Lombardi. And I'm And I'm practicing out in a right, right beside the locker room. And the, and the manager's telling me, "You got to go in. Not yet. Not yet." Family, religion, Rutgers basketball. All eyes on me. I got it. I got it. And now finally he said, three minutes." I said, "Fine." True story. I go to knock the doors open just like Lombardi. Boom. They didn't open <laughs> I almost broke my arm. I was like, you know, it was one that didn't open. Now I'm down. The players are looking. You know, coach, get it, get it. help the coach up. Help him up. You know? And now I did like Lombardi. I walked back and forth, right? And I was going like that with my arm. Get the feeling back in there. And finally I said, gentlemen, all eyes on me. And these kids wanted to play. They're 19. Let's go. I said, gentlemen, we'll be successful this year. If you can focus on three things, and three things only. They said, yeah. I said, your family, your religion. And the Green Bay Packers, I told you. I did that. I remember that. I remember, I remember where I came from. It's so important to know where you are. And I know where I am right now. How do you go from where you are to where you want to be? And I think you have to have an enthusiasm for life. You have to have a dream, a goal. You have to be willing to work for it. I talked about my family. My family is so important. People think I have courage. The courage of my family is my wife, Pam, my three daughters here, Nicole, Jamie, Leanne, my mom, who is right here, too, and... And, and that screen is flashing up there, 30 seconds, like I care about that screen right now, huh? I got, I got, I got tumors all over my body. I'm worried about some guy in the back going 30 seconds, huh? You got a laugh? Hey, pa buddy. you got a laugh? <laughs> I like this I just got one last thing. I urge all of you, all of you, to enjoy your life, the precious moments you have, to spend each day with some laughter and some thought, to get your emotions going, to be enthusiastic every day, and Ralph Waldo Emerson said, "Nothing great can be accomplished without enthusiasm. To keep your dreams alive in spite of problems, whatever you have, the ability to be able to work hard for your dreams to become to come true, become a reality." Now I I look at where I, I am now, and I know what I want to do. What I would like to be able to do is to spend whatever time I have left, and to give and maybe some hope to others. All right, Arthur Ashe Foundation is a wonderful thing. And, and AIDS, the, the, the amount of money pouring in for AIDS is not enough, but it is significant. But if I told you it's ten times the amount that goes in for cancer research, I'd also tell you that 500,000 people will die this year of cancer. And I'd also tell you that one in every four will be afflicted with this disease. And yet, for somehow, we seem to have put it in a little bit of the background. I want to bring it back on the front table. We need your help. I need your help. We need money for research. It may not save my life. It may save my children's lives. It may save someone you love. And it's very important. And ESPN has been so kind to support me in this endeavor and allow me to announce tonight that with ESPN's support, which means what, their their, their money and their dollars that they're helping me, we are starting the Jimmy V. Foundation for Cancer Research. And its its motto is, don't give up, don't ever give up. And that's what I'm going to try to do. Every minute that I have left, I will thank God for the day and the moment I have. And if you see me, smile and maybe give me a hug, because that's important to me too. But try, if you can, to support, whether it's AIDS or the Cancer Foundation, so that, that someone else might Survive, might prosper, and might actually be cured of this dreaded disease. I can't thank ESPN enough for allowing this to happen, and I'm going to work as hard as I can, you know, for cancer research, and hopefully we'll be, maybe we'll have some cures and some breakthroughs. And I'd like to think I'm going to fight my brains out to be back here again next year for the Arthur Ashe recipient. (laughs) I want to give it next year. I know I've gotta go, I've I've gotta go, and I've got one last thing, I've said it before and I'm gonna say it again. Cancer can take away all my physical abilities. It cannot touch my mind, it cannot touch my heart, and it cannot touch my soul. And those three things are gonna carry on forever. I thank you and God bless you all.
1: I think he passed away like about four months after that in 1993, but his foundation is going strong. So uh, thank you all for coming and for participating. Um, any comments? Anyone want to, anyone have a, yes? So I'm in care of
2: management and uh, I've been registered nurse for 48 years. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I love nursing, and I am very passionate about it. As passionate now as I was at 21. I know more and different, but I want to thank you for what you presented and for the place that you're taking as a colleague nurse in encouraging um, our own professional development,
1: which then
2: has its impact on the communities, the individuals that we serve. And I really am excited about you know, where you're going, you've got the box of history to build on this organization as well as in nursing. The American Nursing Association has made a huge focus, I think it started last year, on the development of the individual nurse as a leader and understanding our role as leaders and you clearly embody that. Um, and it, it's a real pleasure to hear where we're going and, and to know that we're all a part of it.
1: Thank you. Thank you. So, yes.
2: and October, we have 30 LMAs in the same time period. Our goal, of course, is to attract, attract fabulous nurses, but also to retain them. And I think bottom line is we're going to be able to say to nurses, sure, go out, and check it out. That's what our
1: millennials do. Go check it out, but we'll be back. Yeah. So again, fabulous job today. Um, TH Nursing is where it's at, and get involved and check out the election. Yeah. Also, I want to put a plug in for. Um, nurse practitioners i think that now is a a very exciting time for nurse practitioners right they're nurses yes but they're nurse practitioners they have a lot more responsibility than we do as far as being you know clinically sound and solid and i know that i've worked with many very uh good nurse practitioners and our organization up until now hasn't really had a place for a structure for them you know who who's their leadership who's their go-to what are their practice challenges they're not the same as for us and um, I'm really excited that uh, there's uh, the nursing practice council it has solicited is it one? one one nurse practitioner to be a member of our professional nursing cabinet which is all councils together and Susan Deanna who's not here but was um, is running. So, and then I see one, another one of my favorites, Anna Shaw, Margaret Emmons. Um, you know, nurse practitioners, we need you, you're amazing, the work you do and the roles that you fill. So anyway, thank you all for coming.